idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. And my name is Tony, and I live in the northwest of England. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest. We love checking distros out. New distros, new versions of older distros, and maybe even some old distros we've missed. I have my preferences, and Tony has his. Perhaps together we can find some common ground to share with you. The idea of the podcast is that we each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three to four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials, tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. I like to find distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we'll also divulge what hardware we're using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest, episode 12, recording on 9 April 2020. For this show, Tony is reviewing Linux Mint Debian Edition 4 Debian, and I've got Manjaro 20.02 in XFCE Edition. I can assure you that we're more than six feet apart today. We'd like to hear from you what you'd like to see us take on, be it Debian, Red Hat, Arch, Suzy, Mandriva, Slackware, or Gentoo-based distros. This is the conclusion of our first year, although we slipped nearly a month along the way. I know I've been having a good bit of fun here, and the response from our listeners has been enormous for such a niche podcast. Monthly foibles wherein we discuss what did and didn't work for us this month. I'm having an interesting time with Grub and EFI Boot. I'm trying to figure this out with a ton of help from our wonderful listeners, and we'll probably be reporting on this in episode 333 of Mintcast if I can get enough information to do a decent job. I've had a number of issues with Endeavor and gave it up as a bad idea for now. I also attempted to run Mabox 20.02 on my Galago Pro 2, but found marvelous ways to trash my whole system. I don't even remember the details. I'd have to check back to episode 321 of Mintcast to refresh my memory. I also did an installation of Ubuntu Mate 16.04, and it worked great. I attempted to update it to 18.04 just for giggles using the normal upgrade path to have it freeze midway through the actual file installation and need to be completely reinstalled. I was going to leave it alone, and the people in our Distro Hoppers Digest Telegram group were saying, no, you got to try it again because it works great for me. And so I repeated it and had the same issue, except it took a little bit longer in the file installation process to freeze. There was no three-finger salute, no nothing, just had to uh, hold down the power button. I either got a bad burn on the ISO or my machine has something subtly wrong with it. I ran all the tools I know I have on the hard drive to check if that might be an issue and came up empty. So I installed Manjaro on that on the evening of April 4th, and it worked. We'll talk about that a little later. First time I've gotten Manjaro to work on the Galago Pro. What about you, Tony? 
Okay, well, as everyone knows by now, well, apart from one person who crowded me in the supermarket the other day, and then when I asked him to step away, he, he said, what's that about? I said, you know, we're supposed to be staying two metres apart. Oh, that virus thing. <laughs> I don't know where, where he'd been living, but he hadn't heard of it. Um. Anyway, so the world's gone to hell in a handbasket, as they say. So I'm only leaving the house to shop for us and a couple of friends who are self-isolating due to age and health issues. And I'm allowed to go out for a daily walk for exercise. Uh, but this has left a lot of time for cooking and bread making and all sorts of other stuff, such as I'm continuing to play with my small die-cast models. Uh, I've been pulling uh, quite a lot of them apart with getting ready to uh, repaint, but um, we've started getting some good weather, so I've managed to get out in the garden to uh, spray some of them, and I put a couple together this week. Uh, the reason I don't like doing it in, indoors is that even though I've got a little spray portable spray booth that uh, I use uh, and it's got an extractor fan that I can stick the hose out the window it's not very strong and you still get the fumes so if possible I do it outside and uh, I put a couple of, I put a Lamborghini Marzell together this week and a Ferrari and I've put a few pictures in uh, Discord if you want to go uh, on the Minkcast Discord if you want to go and check it out in the off topic section I've also uh, taken part in the last three weeks of Big Daddy Linux Live, or Biddle as we all call it. And also for the last couple of weeks, Joe and Leo from Mintcast also joined in because they were reviewing LMDE 4, which is already, I'd already decided to review for this month's uh, show, so uh, before they chose it. So I, I talked a little bit about it on there and also on uh, Mintcast last Sunday because we did it as part of the innards last week to just to prove a point. So Tuesday, to cap everything, we had a two-hour power cut from 11 till 1. Uh, a local substation uh, caught fire and there was a power surge and everything went offline. <laughs> so... Uh, I couldn't do anything computer-wise and stuff. And I, I realised that because of all these problems with the virus and having to stay at home, I'd downgraded my uh, 4G plan on my phone. Uh, and I was only getting a very small amount of data allowance. So uh, of half a, half a gig. Uh, and I thought, hmm, that's not going to be good if this happens again. <laughs> so I've upped my plan for next month back to... So what it was, there's only a few dollars, a few quid difference uh, in price. And I'll, I'll get six gig again from the beginning of the next month, just in case it all goes pear-shaped again during the crisis and, then, and I need some uh, emergency internet connection. So uh, unless uh, Moss has got any comments on any of that, uh, we'll move on to the updates, what uh, Moss has already put in the show. Updates where we discuss what we have learned about distros we've already reviewed. 
I was just tinkering around with OpenMendrita LX 4.1 on my Kudu, and I discovered that sudo dnf update not only scans for updates, but installs them and does auto-remove cleanup in one swell foop. In fact, just about any command I'd use in deb slash ubuntu slash mint with apt appears to work better in om. I just have to remember to type dnf instead of apt. I think that's cool. On the other hand, I tried to install Mulvad via the RPM package used for Fedora and found a few dependencies missing and haven't had the time yet to try to resolve those dependencies. Any new findings for you, Tony? Well, the main one for me is Linux Mint Debian Edition, which we're, I'm going to talk about in the uh, the main part of the show. Uh, I haven't really had a delve around about any of the other distros I've been yeah, reviewing over the last 12 months. So uh, I think we'll probably just talk about it in the, in the main part of the show. Okay. On to this month's first distro, Linux Mint Debian Edition for Debbie. Okay. So uh, as we've just been saying, uh, Linux Mint Debian Edition 4 came out about two and a half weeks ago no nearly three weeks ago uh, it'll be three weeks ago uh, tomorrow um that came out and within a couple of hours of it coming out i installed it onto my dell e7440 which is my current test machine the specs of which are in the show notes it's a basically it's an i7 for four gen with 16 gig of uh, ram and a 128 ssd but uh, the full specs are in the uh, show notes during the course of the last th- uh, three weeks, I have uh, installed it on a couple of other machines, which I'll discuss the reasons for later in uh, the review. So the installation process seemed to go fairly straightforward, and the installer uh, is quite good for both experienced and, and new users alike. You get taken through the usual process of picking up a drive, um, and it recognises if another OS is present and asks if you wish to uh, use the whole drive or you can reinstall. I chose to uh, complete the installation and on being prompted, rebooted the system after the install was completed. This was when the fun started. (laughs) On restart, the laptop reported that there was no bootable drive present. I thought something had gone wrong during the install, so I did it again. And again, after the third attempt, I decided to boot up a Mint 19.3 live disk uh, and installed this. It was recognised that uh, LMDE4 had uh, installed itself and was present on the drive. So I wasn't sure what was going on at that stage. So I did a dual boot of 19.3 alongside LMDE. And lo and behold, on reboot, Grub could now see both Mint 19.3 and LMDE4 in the group menu. Although when I did boot into uh, LMD4, I tried Grub Customizer. Uh, and although it came up and I was uh, doing the customization to get LMD at the top uh, in Grub Customizer, when I rebooted the computer, uh, LMD4 still appears at the bottom of the menu. Um, so I don't know what's going on there. It appears to be working inside the operating system, but not in actual practice when you reboot the machine. That's really strange, Tony. I've never had Grub Customizer fail me like that. 
yeah, I don't understand what's going on because I've used it before and it worked perfectly. It's the first time that I, I've uh, come across that. So, yeah, I don't know what happened. I did try going back into it again and trying it again, but no no joy. So I've had to live with uh, scrolling down to LMDE4 when I, every time I boot the machine. So, um, like I say, after the, uh, a reboot, the install worked. So this might have been an issue with my laptop. Laptops, I should say. Yes, laptops, plural. Because I repeated the issue on another Dell, my E6540. Um, so because of that, I thought, right, I'll try it on a non-Dell machine. And I installed it on me uh, Lenovo X230i. And later, because we were t uh, on Mintcast, we were talking about using it on lower spec hardware. I installed it on an X200 tablet that I've got. And both worked out of the box without any issue. So if you're installing LMDE4 onto a Dell PC and come across the issue, you might want to check if the drive um, is working properly. And one of the things that when I was on uh, Biddle, someone su uh, said they'd had trouble when they'd uh, first, done it, uh, first done the install. Uh, again, they couldn't boot into it, so they put a live disk in, and they checked in... I think it must have been G-parted and found that uh, the install installer hadn't flagged the boot drive correctly. Um, so they changed the flag on the on the drive where LMD4 was uh, to a boot bootable drive and rebooted into it and it worked flawlessly. So before you start throwing your Dell computers at the wall because they're not working. Try looking at them, <laughs> see if it's flagged for boot. But uh, yeah, so I did have a bit of uh, fun getting it installed. But the actual installation process, you know, on, on the surface is quite uh, intuitive and easy to do. So post-installation hardware facts and issues. Once I was able to boot into the installation, I had no issues with any of the hardware Trackpad, Wi-Fi, and Wi-Fi work fine, and audio and video. Uh, the, there's a webcam on that machine. We're all recognised. No, no issues to report. And in the three or four weeks I've been using it, there's been nothing that surfaced as an issue. Ease of use. Well, this is uh, for me where mingling of Debian and Mint works best. At first boot, I was presented with a welcome menu with an option to do a number of things. Uh, you can uh, set up snapshots, install your proprietary drivers for audio uh, or, you know, for your uh, video cards and things like that. You can run the update manager from this welcome screen. You can set up your firewall. And there's also a link to the software manager. Also, one of the other options is to install um, proprietary codecs for your audio and video. So basically, they cover all the bases with that with that welcome menu. Once you've um, got that set up, you want to have a look around the system. I didn't find installing software um, an issue. There's several ways you can do it. The usual uh, through the um, oh terminal. You've got Synaptics installed by default, which isn't on um, a lot of Ubuntu-based systems these days. And you've got a software center. 
or software manager as they call it in Mint. Um, so I went into the software manager and I thought, I'll have a look at the flat packs. I went into the flat pack area of software manager and this is where I got an issue. If you just scroll through the software that's there, it's not a, not a problem. If you use the search bar and start typing into the search bar when you're in the flat pack part of it, as soon as you put the third letter in of whatever the uh, package is, it crashes the software manager. This doesn't happen when you uh, adjust in the normal um, software center. If you've not, if you've just been in the normal bit and you go into say the video co- uh, video stuff and it gives you a list, and then you type in uh, say uh, one of the video programs VLC or you know uh, or if you're looking at audio because it's video and audio I think so if you if you go Audacity it brings it up. But if you do the same in the flat pack part, it crashes the uh, software manager. I was able to still find stuff in there because I just had to scroll through the loads and loads of different programs until I came across what I was looking for. But I think that's, that's really issue. strange. I would think that yeah. Clem would have had all that tested out before he'd release it as a final package. Yeah, I've only recently started using flat packs. So I didn't test it when I was running LMDE 3 uh, for my very first review on the show. Um, but, um, yeah, it is it is a strange one. Um, I don't know whether to issue it as a bug. And I have replicated it on a number of different systems, so it's not just on that one machine where it happens. Uh, it's replicated on the um, Lenovo's as well. Time to file uh, a bug report. I think it might be. Uh, the other way of installing packages, although not recommended, is through PPAs. Um, I was to, Alan Pope was on Biddle the other week, and he suggests that because PPAs are mainly Ubuntu-based, um, and, and Ubuntu is based on Debian Unstable branch for package development... P, uh, PPAs that are developed mainly for Ubuntu are probably going to be optimized for the uh, you know for the current Ubuntu release and could destabilize any Debian-based system. And obviously, LMDE4 is based on the latest uh, Debian uh, buster. So this is why the inst, even though it is possible to use PPAs, this is why it's discouraged in Debian and LMDE4. But you can you can do that if you do want to. It's just a little bit more of a faff than it would be if you were doing it on L- uh, Mint 19.3. We need a discussion somewhere about the meaning in Debian terms of what is stable and what is unstable, because as you said, Ubuntu is based on the unstable but it's rock solid all, every time. Yeah, Ubuntu do an awful lot of work before they release each of their uh, releases, but they get their pack because Sid being the unstable base of Debian. I read somewhere that, that the term unstable doesn't mean what you and I think it means. <laughs> uh, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but basic, basically you can't if you're using uh, packages that 
are not optimized for the operating system that you're currently running on, you can cause stability issues on that particular operating system because they weren't optimized for it. And uh, Debian works very hard before they do all their stable releases to make sure everything is perfectly optimized. And that's why there are several versions of software behind because they do so much work to make sure there aren't any bugs in any of the applications that they used. Application issues. So I was able to install all my usual software and... I've, and I've used LMD4 on both the Dell 7440 and the other night uh, I took part in a Zoom conference call uh, on the X200 tablet, which is a very, very low spec machine and 11 and a half years old. It has only got 4 gig of RAM uh, and a very old uh, 1.8 dual core, uh, you know, core 2 duo processor, but it worked without a hitch. I think Zoom is having some issues in keeping large meetings stable as uh, I crashed out on Biddle a couple of times on Saturday despite having a really strong 100 megabit wired connection. So it wasn't my internet connection. So I don't know what's going on there. And I seem to be having mumble problems in the last couple of days, but that could be that my system needs reinstalling. But anyway... So as this is Debian stable that we're talking about, uh, that LMD4 is based on, uh, all the app software is several versions behind, but using Flatpak snaps and snaps can overcome this if you need uh, some of the latest and greatest software. So memory use. I installed Mate uh, when I first uh, booted into uh, De uh, Linux Mint Debian Edition because it, by default it comes with the Cinnamon desktop. So I can report Mate uses 740 megabytes of RAM on boot and Cinnamon uses about 815 on that particular machine on the E7440. On the X200 tablet, uh, Cinnamon reports uh, 730 megabytes of RAM used. I didn't install Mate on that particular machine so i'm not sure but if if the kind of difference is similar to what it was on the uh, the dell then you're probably looking around 650 megabytes for it they are i've noticed the difference on memory use is getting a lot closer than it once was you the difference between mate and cinnamon used to be around 200 megs but it's come a lot it's less now less than 100 so it's, I would say, it's pretty well neither here nor there, uh, as you won't, for most folk on modern hardware with at least 8 gig of RAM, you're not going to make notice that much difference. On older, older hardware, such as the X200 tablet, with a max of 4 gig of RAM, which that one has got, uh, these differences can be an issue, but it is getting very marginal these days. So ease of finding help. Uh, with the mix of both Mint and Debian forums, there's loads of support for LMDE4, and I would not envisage any major issues. The The one issue that I did go on the forums for was the issue with the uh, flagging of the boot drive. I think they were pleasant enough. I didn't get uh, much useful information. No one else has seemed to have had the problem, but everyone was quite pleasant when I went on the Mint forums and uh, and posted it as an issue. Plays nice with others. Uh, this time I didn't do a dual boot on install. So I can't talk about 
doing it that way around. Uh, obviously, I did do a dual boot with 19.3 to get Grub to work, but that's the wrong way around. When I uh, installed LMD3 previously, 12 months ago, that worked flawlessly as a dual boot. Uh, I put that on the uh, Z30 uh, Toshiba and it worked flawlessly. So I wouldn't expect any issues with uh, playing nice with others as far as dual booting. Stability? Well, there was 30-odd people on Biddle on uh, the last two Saturdays and everyone says exactly the same things. Debian? Enough said, solid solid as a rock. <laughs> and that was my experience as well. Ratings. So my ratings for this one. Uh, ease of installation, new user-friendly install scores. I've marked it down at 6 out of 10, and that's because of my problems with the Dell. And likewise, for experienced users, I've marked it at 8 out of 10, basically because of the issues I had with the flag. But uh, if, it, if you're running it on hardware where that's not an issue, it shouldn't be a problem, and I would probably have scored it higher if it had been on different hardware. Hardware issues, 9 out of 10, and that's more to do with the boot flag. Ease of finding help. Like I say, I didn't go delving into the community very much, but uh, I've given that 8 out of 10. Ease of use. 9 out of 10, it's a piece of cake to use. Plays nice with others, 8 out of 10. Stability, a big 10. Overall rating, 9 out of 10, no problem. So, uh, similar distros to check out. Uh, any Debian Buster Bay system that uh, does a little tweaking to make it a little kinder to, uh, to new users. Netrunner is the only one I could specifically find that was purely Debian, but there must be more. Any ideas on that, Moss? I'd go back and look at MX or Q4OS. Those are both solid Debian buster. The former has XFCE and the latter has Trinity Desktop or Plasma 5. Yeah, I I thought of MX and then I thought, oh no, that's Ubuntu-based, but it isn't, is it? It's it's Debian-based now. Not only Debian-based, but uh, by default it does not have System D. So if you're one of the Devuan types, you might want to look at that. Yeah, yeah, no, MX, when I uh, tested that out uh, a few months ago, it was brilliant. So yes, I would highly recommend MX. So my final comments... Despite the issues I had installing it initially, I love LMDU4. Uh, it's a stable, reliable system, and if it was running a business and needed a mission-critical system, this could be the one. Some of the minor issues, such as the installer not flagging the drive, are an admin issue, and I'm sure these would be resolved. Uh, as for software, the software manager, in most environments, this would be disabled and only the IT admins would be uh, installing new software when needed. And in most cases, they would be deploying a custom image set up for the work use scenarios. So the day-to-day user would have all the software needed for their role pre-installed anyway. As a regular Linux user wanting a little more up-to-date software, and if it was a gay, particularly if it was a gamer and needing the latest video drivers, I would probably recommend sticking with Mint 19.3 or 20 when it arrives later in the summer. But if Ubuntu ever went away as uh, a Mint had to fall back on LMDE uh, as the main release, I wouldn't have an issue with doing that and probably running something a little more cutting edge as a dual boot for those times when having access to all the latest software. Uh, that could not be installed via Flatpak or Snap 
if the if Snap was still around, that is, having having another installation uh, would help if needed. But with the with the use of uh, flat packs and snaps, then uh, that might be negated anyway. So, have you got any further comments, Moss, before we move on to your review? It sounds like you're saying that most people would be using this only in a business setup for the rock solid nature of it, rather than uh, a home user wanting the flexibility that it doesn't have. No, I'm not really saying that. I'm just saying it's that kind of operating system where if you need that mission critical kind of stability, then you're going to get it from LMDE4. Obviously, for someone who's a non-power user, LMDE4 is dead easy to use. And if you were installing it for your granny, you could just leave it and let them get on with it. Um, It was just the way I wrote the final comments, really. Sorry about that. It's all right. So now on to Manjaro. Okay, for this episode, the distro is Manjaro 20.02. My hardware, I ran Manjaro uh, XFCE on a System76 Kudu 3 with 16 gigs RAM and a 256 gig SSD with an i7 processor and Intel graphics chipset. Installation was smooth and quick, although I thought I was installing an LXQT version, but wound up with XFCE. Nonetheless, the Calamaris installer went as smoothly as it usually does without a bug or hitch. Updates were few. This distro is kept very up-to-date as most Arch-based distros are. I also installed this on April 4th on my Galago Pro 2 and have had no issues. Again, I've tried several times before with issues and am amazed. My review, however, will be based on the installation on my Kudu as I've had more time with it. Post-installation hardware issues. I didn't have any issues at first, which is itself odd, as I've often reported on my issues getting Manjaro installed on my machines, which is usually when I'm trying to update the software. It downloads all the files and then locks up, and then I reboot and I open the software center and it picks up where it left off and starts installing it, and it seemed to do that every time. It seems to have gotten over that problem on my machines. Later, when I installed Linux Mint 19.3 over the KDE Neon installation, the Manjaro boot sector seemed to vanish. I tried asking for help but didn't get anything usable, so I reinstalled Manjaro and everything went back to normal. I have not finished reconfiguring the software installed, but it's all installed. I got three of my five usual games installed, but could not find NetHack or Pysol FC for some reason. I checked the AUR to no avail. Considering Archfiend's claim you can find anything, that was a bit off-putting. Ease of use, I've had very few issues. One did crop up, though, when attempting to use it for a Zoom meeting. Instead of getting a web-based room, it wanted me to install their app. Only available for Manjaro as a tar.gz file, which I rarely have succeeded in installing no matter what distro. So I had to switch to a different distro to do that particular meeting. I'm sure some of our listeners could have helped me with that, but I only had a couple hours to set it up. I find Pac-Man harder to use in the terminal than either apt or DNF, mostly due to the tick-based commands, dash s, etc. As a positive, the HPLIP printer program found and could write to my printer immediately without installing the brother driver. Could it be that HPLIP includes non-HP printers now to make itself a more useful app? 
On the negative side, I was not able to connect to my VPN, which only provides DEB and RPM packages. If there is a workaround, I don't know what it is. This is a little astounding in that uh, Molvad does use uh, WireGuard for more than half of its connections, so I should be able to find a way to do that. Updates are somewhat similar to using DNF and OpenMandriva. However, you need to know the syntax, and it's not really that easy to remember. Pseudo Pacman dash S dash capital S small YU. This does not do auto remove. It does take a moderately long time as it seems everything is being built. It felt similar to the updates in Sabayon, although not that long. Don't do updates when you need to rush out the door soon. I was late back for lunch a couple of times doing updates, doing my updates on my lunch hour at work. Memory use. HTOP reports 660 meg megabytes RAM with nothing open, 1.9 gigabytes with Firefox open with three tabs, and HTOP running in a separate workspace. Stacer reported 2.5 gigabytes RAM with, in use with Firefox open in five tabs, one of which was used to download Stacer. There is 9.2 total gigabytes of disk space being used. Ease of finding help. I went to the Manjaro forum for help with the Zoom issue and got several very quick responses. They didn't help in time, but easily could have if I'd had more time. And they were very empathic and friendly. Word is that's what you can expect from this group. Quick, friendly responses. Plays nice with others. After installation, it existed quite nicely with KDE Neon and OpenMandriva 4.1. When I replaced KDE Neon with Linux Mint, a distro with which I have historically had almost no problems, I had to reinstall Manjaro. The installation was there, but it would boot to a black screen, no cursor, that was it. Would go no farther, wouldn't reboot, I had to literally hold down the power button. So is that Mint not playing nice with Manjaro, or Manjaro not playing nice with Mint? I have no idea. However, upon reinstallation, it once again has no issues residing on a shared platform. So I've got the three distros running on the same machine now, and I don't have a problem booting to them, and Manjaro has control of the boot. When Mint took control of the boot, something happened, and I don't know what it was. I'm not that skilled yet. Stability. As with all Arch distros, keep it updated or you'll be sorry. I did have an update to Firefox result in Firefox being deleted, not updated. There have been no other stability issues in the month I've been playing with it. Similar distros to check out, Endeavor OS for sure, and of course just Arch. Ratings, ease of installation, new user 10 of 10, I love me some Calamaris. Experienced user 10 of 10, hardware issues 9 of 10, ease of finding help, community and web 9 of 10. Ease of use, 8 of 10. Plays nice with others, 9 of 10. Stability, 8 of 10. And my overall rating is 9 of 10. Final comments. This has been a fine experience. The first really good experience I've ever had in an Arch Distro. I think you will find it the same. I see no reason why someone who committed to this distro could not use it as a daily driver. And as of this writing, you can buy a custom InfinityBook computer from Tuxedo Computers with Manjaro preloaded and with a Manjaro key for the super key. 15.6 inch screen, great battery life, and pretty decent specs with the latest Intel or AMD processor for about $1,200. If you have it, it's probably worth it. No, I was not paid by anybody to say that. <laughs> it's that good, is it? 
It is. I've been hearing reviews. I've seen pictures. 15.6, you've got the full keyboard, you know, the full 10 keypad and everything. A really nice Manjaro Super Key, and just like the Ubuntu Super Key on my System 76s. It's, ama- it's amazing how far Linux has come to say that an Arch based system is good as a daily driver. All right, you, like you say, you might not be the most stable uh, if updates sometimes do break. So I, w- I still probably wouldn't recommend it to a new user, but uh, an experienced Linux user, yeah. And, and like you said, Endeavor is just as good, if not a little bit better for me. Well, again, with Endeavor, they say don't be afraid of the terminal. And if you get used to the Pac-Man commands, all you have to do is look them up. They're easy to find. Yeah. Then you shouldn't have a problem with that either. Uh, as I said, there were two pieces of software that I regularly use that I couldn't find. Other than that, we're good. New releases this month from March 11th to April 8th. And of course, I list them from the latest one first Septor 2020.2, AV Linux 2020.4.10. Tails 4.5, EasyOS 2.2.16, Sparky Linux 5.11, OSMC 2020.03-1, BE-Free 2020, XTix 20.4, NetBSD 8.2, Rescatux 8.73, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7.8, Makulu Linux 2020 Flash, OpenMediaVault 5.3.0, Anti-X, 19.2. PFSense, 2.4.5. Bodhi Linux, 5.1.0. Univention Corporate Server, 4.4-4. Parrot, 4.8. Linux Mint Debian Edition, 4 Debi. Fury BSD, 12.1. Emubuntus DE3-1.01. Aria Linux, 2.4. Nutix, 11.4. And Tails, 4.4. I'm not sure about the PFSense. It got listed as if it were a distro on DistroWatch, but I get the idea that's actually a tool. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'd have to go and have a look. Well, let's go over to feedback. Feedback. Mike F. left a comment on our blog. Can't remember who keeps complaining about recovering non-bootable Linux systems. I always have on USB sticks these small bootable images. SuperGrub2 lets you select a bootable partition multiple ways. After you've booted Linux, run grub-install and grub-mkconfig from the command line. See man page for details. Gported Live, just a minimal system with Gported. You don't have to wait for a porky installer image to boot up. The smart way to repartition disk drives. I don't use it very often, but after many years, Grub Customizer, quote, finally, end quote, made it into the Debian 9 and Ubuntu 1904 repos. And I replied, that's probably me you're talking about, but I have yet to figure out how to use the USB stick to actually repair the Grub. I have, however, figured out how to do it from Terminal, which will be part of the Linux innards section of Mintcast Podcast, episode 333, if all goes as planned. 
I've used Super Grub 2 to boot things when all else failed. I have a live stick of GParted. Grub Customizer was added to the Debian repos with 10 Buster. I'm glad to hear they backported it to 9 now. Ubuntu does not have it in 18.04 or earlier, but all versions from 18.10 on included it. It's an easy add in Ubuntu and its daughter distros via PPA. And thanks for listening and responding. You want to read the next one? Yeah, I'll read the next one. Okay. This is a continuation of uh, an email conversation that you've had with uh, Tim Kiernan, which we started reporting on the last show. But anyway, Tim says, Thank you again for the time you took to reply personally. I keep looking at the Galago Pro because of what appears to be uh, hardy MacBook-like construction and the core boot. So we'll see. Best wishes to you guys on all issues, Linux and health. And don't worry if the next episode needs to come out a bit late. We appreciate what you can publish whenever you can publish it. Tim. Thank you very much, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Much appreciated. I also got a private comment from my friend Robert Warren saying he actually likes DistroHopper's Digest more than he does Mintcast, so... Thank you, Robbie. (laughs) Or you'll be having uh, the rest of the uh, crew on Minkcast jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll we'll just have to import them over here. We'll we'll phase out Minkcast and I'll do distro hoppers. (laughs) (laughs) Announcements. My work here and at Mintcast can be supported by joining my sponsors or by direct donation through Sponsus or PayPal. Links are in the show notes. During this month, I got my first Sponsus. Many thanks to SK Beans for joining up. In fact, I just got notification yesterday that his first payment showed up in my bank account. So, yay, I'm $2.40 richer. I also received a donation of $25 through PayPal from listener Chris Burgess. I am very grateful for all donations which have been or will be received. We would like to thank Hacker Public Radio for our use of their mumble room. Those times when Mintcast mumble is not working, that includes this show. Our next show will be recorded on or about May 15th, 2020. Visit our website at https colon slash slash distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com and follow us on MeWe, Telegram, Mintcast Discord, and at our Telegram and MeWe groups. Please contact us at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com if you have any comments or suggestions. Before we go... We would like to thank all those who make this project possible, starting with Hacker Public Radio for allowing us to use their Mumble server archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program audacity which we use for recording and editing the show joshua lowe for work on our logo all those who work on the teams which are creating adapting and maintaining the linux distros we have reviewed this episode mid-air machine creators of the song streets of santivo used as our music under creative commons license thanks to linus torvalds for the kernel Richard Stolman for the GNU toolkits and all those who have worked behind the scenes on free and open source Libra software. And thanks to the rest of the Mintcast team for letting us use their Discord and Telegram channels and lots of encouragement. We shall be back next month. Thank all of you for listening. <laughs>